0: Hey, 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 and welcome to Exposed, Dragged Out. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host, and each week we dive into the lives of those individuals who went home a little bit too early on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. Well, this week, you know what? I went into my vault, my deep, deep vault and pulled out an episode of Exposed that you guys have never heard. It is one with the one, the only Carmen Carrera. So I hope you guys enjoy this. We're going back to season three. We're going to her life afterwards. So listen, enjoy, and I love you guys so much. So thank you. She was introduced to many of us on season three of RuPaul's Drag Race and has since taken the world over as a model and trans advocate who's not afraid to speak her mind about equality. Her name is Carmen Guerrera and she's about to be exposed virtually. Thank you so much for being here, Carmen.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I love watching your videos.
0: Well, thank you, thank you. And before we get started, I just wanna go ahead and preface this by like, I know that we're gonna be getting into some trans topics today and a conversation. And so if there's any a moment like where I misspeak or I say something incorrectly, like please inform me because I want to know the best that I can because I want to learn more, especially in this community as a white gay man. And I want others to learn as well. So if there's ever a moment, don't be afraid to say, hey, like there's something else. Cool. Cool. Let's get started. You were born and raised in New Jersey. What was little Carmen
1: like? Huh. Well, honestly, I had the best childhood. I was always super inquisitive, like why things were the way they were. So I guess I was like a curious observer. I grew up in North Jersey, which is about seven miles outside of Manhattan. So there was a ton of influence of the city in my area of New Jersey. So it was almost like it was just one big neighborhood because I had my cousins that lived in New York, I had my cousins that lived in New Jersey. So it was a mix. Like um, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures. I was exposed to a lot of different people and i was just always curious like why does the world work this way why do people think that way and i remember as early as kindergarten it was when i kissed my first boy and i got kicked out of catholic school and that was really what started to like have my mind work you know like thinking that i'm different or like the way that i am is not accepted and i always kind of like was searching for the answers as to why my high school was super dope. I had a lot of diversity. I was very quiet, like was shy, but I hung out with all the popular girls and they hung out with the popular guys. So I was like, in with like the good crowd, you know, and there wasn't a lot of bullying going on in my high school. I think there was like one kid that got bullied and that got fixed, like immediately, like the faculty and, and the other students, like they knew it wasn't right. So, I do wish that I was able to speak up, but I wasn't even confident in myself yet until I like graduated high school. so, yeah, I guess I was just sort of like the quiet one, just wanting to figure it all out.
0: That's so interesting that you thought about those things at an early age because like even to this day, like the past few years, I always like think about these random things. I'd be like, "Who in the world decided that pink is a girl's color and blues a boy's color?" and I was like. Why can girls wear dresses and boys aren't supposed to wear, like, all these things. Like, I just start thinking, like, how did these things even come to be? So that's really cool that you had, like, such an inquisitive mind at such a young age.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think I give credit just to my mom for creating the space in my home to be, like, very loving, regardless of how I, you know, my mannerisms or how I might have acted back then. Like, I was never, you know, thank God, like, called out at home for, like, being too feminine or, like, my mom and my family enforcing masculinity on me. Although I do come from like a Latino heritage and my family came to this country as immigrants. I'm first generation American. And even with all of that, like one of my moms, like just her thing as a parent is to just be accepting to your child because they're like a gift and a blessing. And that's carried that sort of value has carried over into my activism so like when i speak to trans people who are struggling with their family accepting them or even speaking to family members directly i have a tendency to like hold the parents accountable because you know that belief was instilled in me from a child that like your parent is or you are given to your parents as a gift and like you know the connection is godly and it's you know there's always a deeper reason and if you put up these blocks, you know, like of not accepting your, your child, you can't ever develop that type of bond that lasts a lifetime. And, you know, you won't be able to discover like why, you know, a higher power has assigned, you know, you to your child, you know, you won't ever be able to feel that if you're rejecting your LGBT child, like we all have amazing gifts. We all have things to offer this world or else we wouldn't be here. And so it kind of like hits a soft spot in my heart. To see like a family that's divided, you know, by gender or bisexuality or things that are like not worth the separation.
0: That's really good that you've been able to like find an outlet and you can teach people. I, I think that that's like one of the most respectable things about you is that you're taking it more as a teaching category and like what can just, you've done workshops and stuff, you know, with you know straight and then you know trans, and like, just like getting a a very good correlation between the two. I think that's a great thing that you're doing thank you of course so getting into you ended up starting drag when did you start doing drag for the first time
1: so i started doing drag when i was 19 years old i was obsessed with the drag shows i mean i would go every friday and saturday to a club in new york city called Escuelita and it was the only show bar like all of the other bars you know dive bars and things like that they had a drag show but this was an actual like Red Curtain, variety. there was campy drag, there was a cast that would do like productions. Everybody would like sit down on the dance floor. Like I really felt like home. I was like obsessed with that place. And I wanted to get in for free because they were charging like $20 at the door. And then the drinks were like $10 each and they're like this tiny. And I was not on TV at the time. Like this was like six years before I got on TV. So a girl is on a budget, you know? So I was like, I need to figure out a way how to get in the club for free. So I know that I was in college studying photography and I just went to the club owner and said, Hey, listen, I want to take pictures of the drag show and of your audience just so that I can get in the club. And so that kind of got me into backstage where I started to meet the show people and the show girls. And one night they had like a diva search. It was like an amateur show and like, you can just show up and perform. And so I would say maybe like three months into me working as a photographer, like I got the itch to perform because I got to know all of the girls really intimately and see how they, you know, transform and get ready for the stage. And I did my first Diva search. I invited all my friends. I was like the most popular kid in the club because, you know, I was like there every weekend. And I ended up winning. And from there, I started my. Chosen family, like there was a Carrera family, and what we did was we traveled to as many clubs as we could possibly drive to. So, I you know, I was in Jersey, so I did Jersey nightclubs, Diva Search, I did New York, I did Philadelphia, I did Boston, Hartford, Connecticut. I would go all the way down to DC, I even tried Maryland, but they didn't have like amateur night, so I would take like me and my friends and we would just all go compete for the fun. And that's how I started until I got my first like big Saturday night booking. And, you know, it was the rest was history from there.
0: That's so crazy that you like had like an actual traveling like little house that would like go around and do all those things.
1: Yeah. Cause I was just like, man, we could take this by storm, you know? Cause as like, as a young gay person at the time, like I was hitting up all of the circuit clubs. So I was in Orlando, I was in Tampa, I was in Miami, I was traveling to Chicago. I was going to the pageants. I was in Texas. I became obsessed with like getting to know my people and like figuring out who I am, you know, because I've always questioned my gender since I was a child. I've always questioned my sexuality, like, where do I fit in? Who am I? And at the time, you know, this is 15 years ago. Oh my gosh. We didn't have social media whatsoever. Like all we had were like creepy Craigslist ads and TV that was promoting like violence towards us. And there was nothing to look up to and say, you know, this is me. So I, I needed to search for it. And that, that's what got me to like travel so many places and meet so many people. I don't know. I just fell in love with just the whole nightlife, you know, just escaping reality and going to a place where there's so many people that are like me. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was like the best time of my life.
0: Like I, I hear that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wish that I would have done that. Like my age just traveling around when you end up doing all of that and you end up coming up, you know, in your house of prayer and you have all that stuff, you end up being on season three of RuPaul's Drag Race in twenty eleven. How did that come to be? And what was that like?
1: Well, actually, I didn't want to do the show. I didn't want to do the show at all. And it was because at that time in my life, I already chose to transition. Like I knew, you know, I was I was married at the time, I had a same-sex marriage, we had children that whole, you know, dream of like living happily ever after for me, I didn't want to risk it, you know, like I didn't want to put myself out there and like fail or like, you know, so I was like, I don't want to compete. My friends were like, girl, you need to compete. Like, I guess because no one had ever seen the type of person, like my personality, like it was not on the show yet. And so I was like, I thought about it and my friends pushed me, like literally I waited till the day before I'm supposed to submit my audition to shoot my audition because I was just procrastinating so much. And I made the decision, I'm like, listen, I'm going to go on the show and it's going to be like a time capsule. Like I'll always be able to remember after I transition, like where I started, you know, I didn't know what was going to be ahead of me. Like I knew I wanted to transition, but I'm like, listen, let me just do this to leave like a little time capsule. So I did it. And also too, which I found out later, season two, Sahara Davenport actually referred me to the show, which kind of like, you know, pushed my application up a little bit, a few notches. And, you know, Rue and everybody ended up really, really loving me. They love my style. You know, like I'm such a mix of a person, you know, like I have a little bit of like urban influence, but I'm also like a little shy. Like I'm a little reserved. My drag persona was like this, like, stripped down like you know like just feminine like just exuding sexuality like you know so they love that so then they picked me and, and that's how I got on the show.
0: That's pretty awesome and your whole experience I mean you were turning looks you end up in the top five you're knocking it out of the park and then you were in the group of the Heathers. Are you still friends with anybody on the show? You still talk to any Of, the Heathers?
1: of course yeah I mean me, and Raja, and Delta the be forever friends and I think that's something that you just learn like growing up especially when you're part of like a marginalized community or even minority community like you really stick to your like brethren you know and like I can you know talk to them today and not speak to them for a year and we'll pick up exactly where we left off that's what I think I value the most out of the LGBT community is that regardless of whatever we go through like we're very loyal to one another because we share that same experience of feeling Othered and feeling lost or confused or whatever, and that I feel like really connects us and bonds us. So we'll always be friends, especially since we went through the experience of being on television and everything else that came afterwards. We're always going to have that sort of innocent connection, like because when we went in to do the show, like we were all very like wide-eyed, like kind of like wowed by like every little thing. We're very innocent, you know, and that's beautiful. So yeah, we're we're always going to be friends. That's
0: awesome. And shortly after your stint on Drag Race, you ended up... The first time that you acknowledged publicly that you came out as transgender was on What Would You Do episode, right? Yes. What made you or pushed you to be able to do that on that public platform? And were you nervous at all about it since that would be your first time publicly?
1: Of course. Well, I was very scared. So I did Drag Race. And then after that, that summer... I picked up a lot of fans and I didn't think I was going to get any fans because I didn't even win. So I was like, you know, I'll just go back to like my local club and I'll just, you know, be who I've always been like, no big deal. And I hadn't realized that so many people were going to like relate to me and really, really love me. Like, so I felt a responsibility because I wasn't open on Facebook. I wasn't telling anyone, but when I would go do my shows, people would be like, Carmen, like you know your hair is growing out and you look really like more feminine than you did on television, you know you're always wearing girls' clothes like so I just didn't want to hold any secrets back you know when you make this transition, you feel so empowered and you really want to push yourself to be honest and not hiding things so when I got the offer to do what would you do? I was super nervous and scared because still, even during that period of time, there was no education on how to talk about the trans experience, what words to use like people were still used to that sensationalism, like, oh, you're used to be a man and like, whatever. Like, and so I was walking into a different playground. It wasn't drag and being safe and having like my gay brothers, like have my back. It was me stepping foot into the world that sees trans people as something hideous and something to fear. And so I was, so scared. Like if you watch that back, you will see that I'm literally like pale because I'm so like white from being like nervous, but I'm like, I felt like I need to speak. People need to know my spirit and people need to know my heart because from what I have seen from about trans people, it was all like bad negative stuff. So I pushed myself and I did it and I actually gained like more love and more followers. And so I was like happy about that, but I was really nervous and scared.
0: That's really great that you you know you did gain more love about it. I think that you were one of the first in my opinion and from what I know that one of the, probably the first trans person actually was speaking out that I saw on a public eye like it was before Caitlyn Jenner or before you saw anybody like that so to be able to have that and use a platform like you were one of the first voices that I saw publicly and I was like, oh, okay, like that's you know Carmen and you know she identifies as trans and, like I started researching more because of you and wanted to know more about the whole process and more about the community, and I, you know, congratulate you for that. And I say the props to you for sticking your foot in the pond of the crazy media before any of that was mainstream. I guess you would say.
1: Yeah, because honestly, like I had learned so much about trans people, like just performing in drag at my local bar and stuff, and like because I've always felt like I wanted to transition. To be honest with you, I used to pray to God in Catholic school, like, please, I am want to wake up as a girl tomorrow. And to meet a trans person and to see that it's possible for me to like change my gender. Like I was like in love, you know, with these people. And I was like, cause I didn't know, I, did, I had no clue that they even existed. These women that really inspired me. Like I only saw what I saw in Jerry Springer, which nine out of 10 times they were actors anyways. So when I saw like a real life person who had, who had transitioned and was happy and succeeding and thriving, I was like fascinated. And, you know, I wanted to do something that was gonna fix, the stereotype that was like my intention. So thank you. Thank you a lot. Thank you for real. Cause it was scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you did it and you're here now. And shortly after that you end up, there was a campaign for you to be a Victoria's secret model in 2013 and it got over 45,000 signatures. What did that feel like for you and did they ever actually contact you or did anything come of that?
1: Well, that was what made me famous. To be 100% real and to be fair, because I know people get very iffy, you know, they're like, no, it's Dry, it's RuPaul that made you famous. And then from my experience, okay, like what really made me famous was the whole Victoria's Secret thing, because at the time, and again, there was no education. Like, I was the last trans person in mainstream to receive that, can you believe this is a guy headline like on Inside Edition, on CNN, like on all of these, you know, I, I remember walking into the airport and my story on CNN was all over the airport and it's Carmen, you know, this uh, model who was born a man like blah, blah, blah. And th- that really is what got people's attention. And I know it was like in kind of like a poopy kind of way, but that's really what made me really famous. And then being signed to elite models, I was the first trans model they had first signed and you know, people were buzzing about me and it was weird to see like different languages, like with these headlines. Cause you know, when let's say if MSNBC posts a story, it gets shared by like a bunch of other news articles in different languages. So that's what really put me like over the edge and, um, really got people's attention. And so it was dope, like, cause I actually, I believe that it was possible, but I was dealing with, my agency telling me that, you know, they're never going to hire me. I was dealing with other people that kept wanting to manage me and like pulling me like in every single direction. And mind you, I'm still in the middle of my transition. It's only been like a year or two or whatever, you know, and I'm trying to figure out who I am in the world. So it was a very crazy time in my life. Did I ever speak to them? Yes. They unfortunately I don't think their company or their brand was ever about the bigger picture, the bigger cause. They're sort of the type of business people that like to take advantage of others. And they've been oppressive to women for so long. And so as a model, like I'm like, listen, I will do whatever I can do to like make this happen. Not necessarily for me, but like for all my fans and for all these people that believe in me that I didn't think really existed. And so I lost a ton of weight. I became like that runway size. I, you know, I had implants, I took them out. I was like completely like so thin and like ready to go. I was super fit. And I waited two years and I wasn't hearing anything back. And it was almost like they wanted to either let it fizzle out to see if they can control it, which is what they tried to do, which is what got them into even more trouble because now they waited six years and they wanted to use like some young girl from Brazil that doesn't even speak English, that is kind of looks like me, you know, to be like sneaky in order to control, you know, what they think is going to sell. And guess what? It didn't sell. So it, if it kind of like flopped, it went nowhere. And that's a shame because I feel like that is, you know, it's like when you, I love my community so much. And it's like when these big businesses do stuff like that, I feel sad for the possibility that they just killed you know, like the possibility to make something amazing happen and make people happy and embrace women of all sizes, of all walks of life. And they lost a lot of money because of that. Because so many other brands now became popular for being diverse and using women of all sizes, of all colors and everything like that. So they, you know, that's why their CEO, who is a woman, like she left... The marketing people got fired, and everyone else that is there now is just trying to like make money off social media. They look bad because of that, so in the future, would I ever work with them? probably because I'm not like dumb, but like I just kind of feel like, damn, that's a shame, you know what I mean and so that was kind of that. However, what came from all of that was like really truly like trailblazing. I was able to work with so many other brands that. We're embracing trans people and embracing disabled folks and embracing all people. And I got to make like lasting connections that now where I'm building my own stuff, like I have help and it's nice. I'm still very appreciative because like I said, I did Drag Race. That was my first sort of like journey into the TV world and stuff like that. Like, and I would have never thought that I would have received, you know, all of these like, amazing experiences that are full of love and like you know I'm, I feel blessed regardless even though it didn't work out how I wanted it to
0: yeah it was kind of like one door closed and then you had multiple other doors open for you which was great and like you said too you were signed with the lead and then you started using your voice a little bit more and speaking up more about trans issues and one of the things you spoke about in uh, March of 2014 in the interview with trans advocate was you spoke up about RuPaul's Drag Race and using she-mail and using the word tranny. And that got, ended up getting taken out of Drag Race in the future, but it ended up causing you some issues. Do you ever think back or regret that decision?
1: I don't regret the decision, but I do feel kind of hurt because I feel like part of my community really abandoned me just because I was trying to have a voice of my own. And it's really sad because I do love my community and I do feel like we get a bad rap. And when it comes time to hold someone accountable, that's one of us, we choose to like let the oppression win. And that's what I feel like is really messed up because if RuPaul was a straight man in drag saying that trans women are not allowed, we would be up his butt and saying how unfair it is. But because I'm viewed and perceived as Less powerful, or you know, someone who should let things slide because I was given an opportunity. I feel it's completely unfair, and it's something that RuPaul and a lot of the contestants have contributed to as far as like underlying shade and like throwing subliminals. And like, you know, I feel like it's so rude and messed up and uncalled for. And I really wish that we would wake up and see the damage that we're causing. Because for me to be out in the world trying to fight for equality and for inclusivity, but then you go on YouTube and you see my own community members making trash videos about me, it makes us as a whole look like no one can take us serious. And I feel like this sensationalism of like objectifying trans women, it runs rampant even in the gay community, as if that's what defines our existence. And to be honest with you, like my life would be 100% easier if I live within the confines of the gay community, but I don't, you know? And it's not to say that I don't like gay people. No, of course not. But I've journeyed out into exploring other parts of the world and other communities for the sake to pass down information to my trans sisters who are also existing outside of the gay community, you know, who are trying to make a living for themselves as women. And so I just kind of feel like It's a little shocking to me to see that it still happens to this day. And it's very depressing to see some of my own friends who've been on the show contributing to this like toxic perception of me. It's a shame. And I feel like it really needs to stop because it's dumb and it's not worth it. And it's like, if I had something to apologize for, I would. And I've always tried to be as diplomatic as I can be. Some days I don't have such good days and it does irk me because I'm a human being and it hurts my feelings. So I might go off on my live. Or I might, you know, whatever. But this has like been going on for like years and years and years. And it's just not fair. It's not cool. I don't have any regrets, but I really wish that like some of us would see a different side of the of the scenario. Because people want to make me the bad guy for some reason. And I don't know where that's coming from.
0: Reviews, they are everything, whether it be a podcast review, food review, any time that you can read what another person's experience is, you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from. It can help you make some of the biggest decisions that you have to make in your life. And when it comes to finding healthcare, ratings matter even more. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. ZocDoc is an app where you can compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. So you can find and book highly rated local doctors. It has been so eye-opening just to be able to see where I'm going to go before I actually go there. Because I normally have always dreaded going to the doctor before I ended up using ZocDoc. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or by video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again because nobody likes the hold music. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialists, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So now is your time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and Book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's zocdoc.com slash exposed. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. You speak your voice. You say what you say in that interview. And then did you face any backlash after that?
1: Yeah, I got a whole lot of backlash. That backlash is still going on to this day because people want to see me fail. And I'm not ever going to fail. I'm not, unless I give up, you know, but it's like, I'm still getting shit for that. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand darling. So, you know, it was terrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. And I honestly, maybe it was maybe a year or two ago. I tried to make nice with drag race and the producers and rue you know like because I was trying to like okay I'm gonna have to tiptoe around people's ego and I know that they're bruised about it but you know I'm gonna go to drag con I'm gonna go and like meet my fans and I'm going to speak to these producers and like just even though I shouldn't have to like you know kiss butt I'm just gonna do it because I I was thinking bigger picture and honestly like There's so many fans and I was hesitant to go to a drag con because I didn't want to deal with drama. But there's so many fans that love me and that, you know, still follow me and kind of feel sad that there's a disconnect, you know, because I would love to be a part of even the production side or I'd love to be a part of the show in some way, shape or form. But I think that some folks on the production side or even some of the talent are like, I don't know, like they're afraid that I might steal someone's thunder or something silly like because that's the vibe that I get from them. I try to meet with Rue like four times and every single time she has canceled. It's not even like she declined. It's like, no, she just canceled. So I don't know.
0: That's a lot to deal with. I think that, you know, it's also just looking at everything, you know, you kind of put your foot in the water before everybody else puts their foot in the water. And you're kind of like the, you start before everybody else starts. And it's kind of like you get the flack up front. And nobody gets black that are like in fourth, fifth position, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's so, and it's so crazy because I believe that my community supports me, you know? And it's like, to see that happen is a shame. I mean, it's not that I don't get any support, but I also feel like anything I do or or like if I have an opinion, it's like people want to shush me, you know? And it's like, Carmen, don't say that because it's almost like maybe because I'm a woman, maybe because I'm a trans woman and some people don't have respect for trans... I don't know what it is. But it's like, literally, I cannot even fart without having... Someone's going to say something bad to me. And it's like, you know, like, I can't... You know, and I I think it comes... Honestly, I think it comes from love. I think it's because people want to see me succeed. And since, you know, I... Maybe because I didn't walk Victoria's Secret, maybe because, you know, I'm not on good terms with RuPaul, like, maybe because it's because of that people think that I'm not capable of succeeding or something when in reality, I've been able to do so much more outside of those two issues that people skim over and act like it's nothing when it's truly creating the path for the people that you see now. Like if I wasn't so bold and I didn't, you know, get pushed out there so far, it wouldn't have inspired so many people to say, Oh, I can have that possibility. I mean, there's contestants that are on the show recently you know, that will give me credit, like, oh, well, it was Carmen because, you know, she transitioned and she really made me believe that I could like have a life after my transition and do work and, you know, stuff like that. So if that's the case, and and that's who I am, like, I don't really understand what the hatred is about, you know, and I think it really comes down to like, people are just confused.
0: Would you ever come back to the show in an all Stars format if you could be fully who you are?
1: Um, I don't know. If you would have asked me two years ago, I would have said yes. But now, what I'm doing now with my life, you know, I'm a CEO of my own company, but I do want to perform again. I miss performing. And if it takes to go on All Stars to reintroduce myself, I probably would be open to it, yes. However, I might just do it on my own and just not. Have to go through drag race. I mean, there's like countless number of pride festivals everywhere. I can go on tour, I can do my own thing. I mean, people already know me, you know, so it wouldn't necessarily be a big deal, but I would only do it for like the highest good, you know, to show that, like, yes, in the LGBT community, we do have, you know, disputes and we have disagreements, but at the end of the day, we come together and we love ourselves because, you know, we love one another and we want to like do the best. For everyone, I'm pretty sure that if you ask anyone my age or in their 30s or 40s or whatever that's LGBT, if you ask them, like, what's one thing that you could change? And it's usually about, well, I wish, you know, as a child, there was like not so much, you know, oppression or not so much bullying and stuff like that. Like, we all wanna change the youth and we all wanna make sure that LGBT young people have a better future, but we're not acknowledging that some of our belief systems are outdated and we need to like really show more unity because what a lot of these young kids are seeing is like that superficial, like Instagram sort of look and rejection from RuPaul. And so now that's what they think is reality. And, you know, it's like, it's not fair because my reality going to gay clubs and watching the, you know, drag shows is that we were all a family you know, we were all a family. we would talk shit to each other, whatever, we would get drunk, but it was always love. We took care of one another, had each other's back, you know, give a dollar to support your girl, your local queen, whatever it is. And that story is not being told. Nobody knows that side because no one who has power to tell that story. I mean, maybe Pose is doing that, but I would love to see something more modern. to so where even if we create tv show that's based on the lgbt community that shows these stories and shows these things i think it would be really helpful so i would probably do it just for that
0: you said that you wish that there was other shows like besides like a pose or something and i also think it's interesting for the trans community as well because when i was growing up and i would look to shows and i would see a gay character it would always be the overly flamboyant like always saying this crazy you know like clothes and stuff and that was all I thought a gay person was. Like, I was like, oh, is that, do I have to be that? And so it's very interesting you say that because I never looked at it that way of being like, you know what, there needs to be multiple types of trans representation, not just a post TV show or this and that. Like, you're an everyday person at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I have to live my life every single day, like, outside of you know, my public persona, like, and I have to develop myself as an adult as well, you know? And I have to say, you know, when I transitioned, it was like, yeah, it was a lot of hoopla in the beginning, but I would say three years ago when me and my husband decided to split and I had to move out in my own place and he had to move on his own place. Like, that's really where I learned that I'm someone in the world as well. Like, you know, my public persona is not my whole life and that's not going to be forever. Like, what am I going to do with my future? And so that's when I really started to like develop myself and dig deep into like who I am as a woman and what I have to offer and, you know, what I want to do with the rest of my life. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really important to tell these stories because there's so many people who are sort of like in need of this inspiration, you know? So we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe there might be something, You know, I know that Janet Mock, she's um, working with Netflix and she's producing a couple of shows. So that's, you know, that looks hopeful, but I hope to see more stories about unity and make it modern and make it cool and make it so that we can sort of influence that positive connection.
0: All right. So last question about RuPaul and then we're getting all this off and going straight into some really great things. Back in January, you had a tweet where you said, I'll read it verbatim, but you said, For someone to consciously block the truth of trans performers and the progression of our movement, all because the public at large doesn't know any better, it's just cruel and evil use of power. RuPaul is the Hitler, false prophet, antichrist of the LGBTQ community. And when you said that, you got a whole lot of flack, and a particular um, YouTube drama channel blasted it to a degree as well. Do you feel like what you said was taken out of context?
1: I feel like anything I say gets taken out of context, number one. And number two, I meant to be a little bit disruptive because I was just sick and tired of dealing with the traumatic side of another like parent who lost their trans kid or another trans person that committed suicide. Like I work directly with all of these organizations and I hear all these stories and it just, it boils my blood when I see, you know, every year repeatedly, like RuPaul is like denying our place. And it's not even like trans performers aren't applying. They are applying. I know a lot of them who have applied. So yeah, like I sent that tweet out because I was just sick and tired of it because I think Ru preys on the fact that the public Sees drag as like a male that dresses up as a woman for work, and that's what has become his like safety net because the majority of people see it that way, and then like our gay brothers and sisters just want to be quiet about it because they don't want to ruffle up any feathers. So now it makes Carmen look like she's nuts, which is messed up. And so, especially like this kid, Jake Beyonce, whatever this YouTuber, like. Honestly, like in a couple of years, he's not going to like the fact that he made all these shitty videos because it's going to come back to haunt him. You know what I mean? And I really hope that he grows up a little bit and stops infecting people with this toxic influence because it's only getting in our way of succeeding. And he's one of us instead of actually being diplomatic and looking at all sides of the equation and to say, this is what's actually unfair. I understand this. This is probably Carmen's frustration. Dah, 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 dah. No. He wants to further demonize the likeliness of drag queens, of trans people. And that honestly is his karma and he's gonna have to deal with it. I hope he's happy making a couple of dollars off the videos that he like puts out there, but that's not clean money, you know, and that's not a good way to spread influence. So that'll just come back on him. And aside from that, like I don't know, I think more so I don't wanna get like too caught up in that, but it's like we need to make a change because look at what's becoming popular again. You know, This is like almost like an echo of Jerry Springer and what he used to do to LGBT people you know, on his show and demonize them and, and continue to play into the fact that people don't like us. Like, When are we going to take it upon ourselves to actually show the beautiful side of us that instead of being so obsessed with competing with one another to get people's attention who don't even respect us anyways? You know what I'm saying? Like, put out good content that's gonna promote us in a good way. Yes, we can be a little bit sensationalized with some of the drama that happens, but don't sit there and demonize a person that's doing good in the world.
0: I think a thing that annoys me more about that aspect of that person is that it's kind of like you can put a video message in front of your video. You can say all you want. Don't send hate to anybody. But at the end of the day, if you're going to take something out of context or take something and ask for people's opinions on anything, You are then sending or allowing people to send hate. And it's causing the drama, which is happening. And that's the thing.
1: And also too, it's like most people that are on YouTube and stuff, they're like young kids who haven't really formulated their own judgment system yet. So now like you're setting a precedent, like, okay, well, if one person says something, we're going to attack them. Or you're putting that out there. Like, I, I don't really agree with that at all. It just makes us look even worse. You feel me? Because honestly, like anyone that has ever brought up the fact that there's like these like shitty videos of me on YouTube, honestly was like shocked and surprised. Like all of those videos have done nothing but confirm the fact that there's a lot of transphobia, there's a lot of pettiness, and there's a lot of drama within the drag race realm. So it only makes me look more right at the end of the day. Because I feel like the intention is to like take Carmen down, but in reality, it's just like stepping on his own toes. It's annoying and it's, it really does make me sad. Like when my grandma goes on YouTube to search for her granddaughter and has to see that shit. Like if I don't have a family, you know what I mean?
0: I had a viewer send in a question. They are a trans woman. They identify as a trans woman. And they want to know how your physical transition affected your mental self-awareness and outlook on life. And have you felt a major difference since pursuing your desired self?
1: To be honest, transitioning as a child for me was always a dream. I didn't think it was possible. And so I didn't allow it to weigh on my heavy too much on my mental side. I think that once I started to transition and I experienced a lot of traumatic experiences, as far as like being called out in public, dealing with transphobic comments, just being denied access to a lot of places, I feel like that for me is what really like kind of screwed up my mental a little bit because it caused me to like question my safety and it also made me question like if I was making the right decision and so what got me through that honestly was going back home and reestablishing a connection with my family because I transitioned outside of home I got married I was on TV then I was transitioning and on the road so my mom and my grandma and my sister like all the people are very important in my life they were not there for like my changes like I, I sort of left the house one way and came back home a completely different person and so reconnecting to them and you know letting them know like on the inside I'm still the same person who still needs love and affection and who still sometimes needs clarity and understanding you know was something that was really powerful and i think that it's given me the strength to be able to deal with adversity in a way that is not destructive so that's kind of like my secret and then from there once you realize that you have support from people who have loved you your whole life, then you start to be like, want to pick yourself up. I was in the gym. I went vegan for a couple of years. Like, I started taking care of my body and getting to know my body outside of the way it looked and understanding that who I am as a person is I have so much depth outside of my appearance and that I, that I even yet have to discover, you know? So it's like pushing myself through that gym class, building up my confidence to work out at the gym and not feel like everyone's staring at me and like understanding that my body is capable and strong and able to thrive was also something that helped my mental, you know, cause we get so stuck with like transitioning, like feminizing and getting there quick, quick as possible. And then having to have the rest of the world around this transition as well. And going through those emotions, like sometimes you can start to feel lost and you start to get, consumed and overwhelmed. And, you know, the dysphoria will kick in, like everything's wrong and never going to achieve what I want. Like I won't ever get to a place where it's just normal and I can just be a human and like just whatever, like, and it really gets to you. So I would say like going back home to family and also getting involved in something that's healthy for your body, whether that's just yoga. Cause I know a lot of girls are a little afraid, like, I don't want to lift weights and like get all bulky, you know, Whether it's just running the treadmill or setting a goal for yourself that you can push yourself that has, you know, a goal that has nothing to do with transitioning, that has nothing to do with feminizing, that has nothing to do with getting people to support you, like small things that you can push yourself to achieve. That's really, really helpful.
0: That's really good advice. I never like, you know, would put those two and two, but it's kind of like gives your mind an ability to grow outside of you growing as a human being too, which is actually really, really good.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because like we get so consumed, our whole world gets flipped upside down with the transition. Like it's not as like we make it look easy, you know? Like we make it look like, oh yeah, you just took some hormones and got some surgery. Like I'm so happy. Yeah, we have those moments, but that's not all the time like that. You know, you get insecure. You don't. You already don't feel like you're enough. And I feel like a lot of people get confused because they think that the trans community had to transition in order to accept themselves. And that's not 100% true. Like for me, I've always accepted myself. It was the outside world that told me that I was wrong. you know. And my decision to transition was something that I made for my future, but it wasn't like I didn't accept myself in the first place. Like I've always accepted myself. And then it's like everything else that comes with the whole process is just something that you have to survive.
0: Speaking of surviving and acceptance and helping others, you... End up, What was it, like a year and a half ago, uh, you ended up becoming a part of Love Loud, a very, very big and great organization. you want to tell a little bit about that and how you got involved?
1: Yeah, of course. So Love Loud reached out to me to be on their board once I participated, I think as an influencer. It was with at and We partnered and I went out to Love Loud two years ago and I met Dan and everybody. And they really just, they loved my energy. They really embraced me. And they asked me to be a part of their board. So the the Love Loud Festival is an annual festival, music festival, that was created for mainly for the LGBT folks within the Mormon community. But it's open to anyone. It's open to all youth. It's a completely safe place. There's no alcohol that gets served. And it's just full of life and energy. And part of Dan's mission was to prove and to show that like LGBT people are worthy of love and we need to take care of them because there was an epidemic breaking out in the Mormon community of LGBT people committing suicide. And it was something that was, it was increasing like at an alarming rate and he wanted to do something that was gonna bring folks together and sort of, I guess lift the veil of like, I guess, adversity. Like people were just so against anyone that was LGBT. and he wanted to change that perception. So he created this and I'm a part of the board and I'm able to see where all of the money goes. I get to see where, you know, who's benefiting. I visited the um, Encircle home. It's a house that's in Provo in Utah. And, you know, it's all these amazing LGBT kids who visit and get all the resources that they need, whether that's mental health, whether that's you know, dealing with family, transitioning, like all that stuff, you know, finding a job, going to school. And that for me was like huge because I didn't even realize that anything like that existed. And it actually inspired me to go out into South American countries and work with, there's an organization called Presente. And we just opened up our first house in Peru, which is where my parents are from which serves the LGBT community over there. And that's something that they've never, it's unheard of even out there. Cause it's the same thing in Latino culture. Like if you're gay or lesbian or trans or bisexual or pansexual or any, anything within the LGBT umbrella, like they completely disown you. And that's something that's like normal, especially in like Colombia and Peru, parts of Ecuador, Brazil. I've been to all these places. I shot a documentary in Brazil actually, talking about the crime rates because it's actually the most dangerous place to be if you're LGBT. And so it's literally part of my passion, honestly, to be able to give back because there's so many of us and we have no clue or no idea. You know, we keep believing that we're this like minority when in reality, like we're so multidimensional, like LGBT people, it goes across races, genders, like everything, you know, like we're a part of everyone. Little does the world know that we are the world like we have everything in our community. So yeah, so working with Love Loud has been a blessing and now I'm able to also I'm still working with Love Loud but I'm able to like try to like spread that love I guess to other places. Hopefully we can do like Europe, hopefully we can go to Australia, but it's beautiful. Like I love doing this type of work because when I go to work it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like I have to worry about people's judgment. It only makes me feel like more purposeful and more useful so that's why for me it's like such a blessing and Dan is great everyone everyone on the board is amazing
0: very very happy that you have this whole time ever since you did transition you've been able to speak your mind and you have spoke your mind about issues that are very important for you and you have been a big fighter for the LGBTQ community I think that that's amazing and phenomenal I think that sometimes you are not credited as much as you should be credited and I don't like seeing when you do end up getting hate because at the end of the day, three years later the people that were fighting against you are the ones now trying to push for it and I think that that's like craziest thing in the world. But what are you doing currently? I know that you said you have like a business venture and stuff like what's what's going on that you're currently working? On?
1: Well I just started CC3 entertainment and it's basically a talent and marketing agency for incredibly inspiring individuals. So now it's like I get to take everything that I've learned through my own journey. And I get to take young LGBT people or not even people. It's LGBT friendly. Like it's not just an LGBT agency, but it's anyone who is inspiring and sort of has a similar intention as to what mine is. And yeah, like it's being signed to elite and going through what I went through with them really is what pushed me to be like, I'm going to start my own agency. I see so many people that, you know, have what it takes, are worthy, are talented, you know, have good intentions and want to do amazing things. They just don't have the right connections. And a lot of even some of the trans girls that I represent now, like they feel bad about having to like push their sexy side out just to get like a like, or just to get people to like recognize them. And it's like, you shouldn't have to do that. You know, it's like our image has been sexualized because that's what used to grab headlines. And now we have an opportunity to create a shift where people can get to know LGBT people outside of the stereotypes, outside of the flamboyant gay, outside of the like, you know, sexy transgender that wants to fool your husband, like all these shitty stereotypes, they need to change. And it's gonna take us to like do it ourselves. No one's going to come in from the outside world and bless us because they don't know what we've been through. It's gonna take us who have been here, been around, who have seen the community that knows the community, that's going to go out and like push the people out there, you know, and put them in better positions to help make this change. So that's sort of like what I've been working on. That's been taking up a lot of my time and I'm a CEO now. It's my company. I'm like excited. I feel good. And you know, the best is yet to come, you know, like I'm still, I'm still working on my YouTube channel. Like I don't, I have a ton of content that I film. I just don't know like how to edit it that well, but I'll figure that stuff out. Like, in the meantime, I'm keeping really busy with this agency and stuff. And we just launched the website. It's cc3entertainment.com. And um, I'm excited for the future. i going to change the world.
0: I think it's great. Like, I think you have such an inspiring message. I love that you're able to do all this. And now, like, an agency. Like, what in the world is going to come next for you? That's, like, in my head. I think that you, you have so much going for you. Would you ever run for a political office, even if it was, like, a local or smaller?
1: Maybe, maybe in a few years, definitely. I want to go back to performing. I really miss it. Like all of this sex appeal and everything, all this performer stuff that I was oozing out, it can't just be turned off from one day to the next. Like I have this little mini performer inside. Okay. That's like dying to come out. And so I have to think of a creative way to do that, whether I make my own music, which is what something that I thought about, or I do something else in the performance realm, whether it's like, Musical or something like I know Peppermint has done a lot of Broadway stuff, and you know, she's my girlfriend. We also have a TV show on Out TV coming out called Translation, and it's me, Jiggly, Sonique, and Peppermint. And we all sort of it's like a round table show, and we discuss a bunch of topics. That's coming, I think, next month on Out TV, so that's also something that we have. So we'll see. Like, I, I would love to create a dream team. And go on tour of like, you know, all the trans girls from Drag Race and show how amazing we are. That's a huge dream of mine. But I don't know how everyone else will feel about it. So we're going to see how this TV show goes, this talk show that we did. And from there, we'll see which direction I'll take. But I'm always about collaborating. You know, what I mean, I was part of the Heathers, like they're my girls. And so maybe in the future, we I might do something either solo or With a group, I'm not sure, but I definitely want to go back to performing. I have to, like, it's a must. Like, I I must. I want to be like J Lo, like 50 years old and performing at the Super Bowl. Like, that's my dream.
0: (laughs) What do you think the biggest misconception of Carmen?
1: I think the biggest misconception of Carmen is that like I'm like this like dumb airhead or like a problem starter, like a shady like person with like bad intentions who's like jealous or something. Has a chip on her shoulder. That's completely the opposite. Like, if anyone has ever seen any content of me, like flipping out or angry or whatever, like that is a rare thing that happens. And it takes a lot to get me upset and it takes a lot to push me to that point. Like, however, like I'm a human being, you know, like at the end of the day, like people see me and they say, Carmen, you've made it. Like, you know, you're doing all these amazing things. But I never forget, number one, to be thankful and to show gratitude, you know, because life can change from one day to the next. And so people can perceive me as like this, whatever it is. But in reality, like I'm just as vulnerable as the next LGBT person I've been through so much as well. And my real focus is like kind of focused on healing, you know, and like making a positive change aside from anyone else's like negative opinion about me.
0: If you had to give a message to somebody who is trans or going through becoming fully who they are as a person and maybe struggling with that, what message would you give to them?
1: I would say be strong, be patient, and stay connected to your heart. You know, this world can turn you to be very cold. This world can turn you to be very superficial. And sometimes you can even be your biggest enemy sometimes. And what's most important is that you communicate, that you remain humble, and. You create like a support system because me, honestly, and I will tell you the truth like, I always believe that I can do it all by myself. I believe that, like, you know, I was invincible, you know what I mean? Until I actually went through all these experiences. Because once I filmed Drag Race and came back home, I felt so invincible. I'm like, you know what? I did the show. It was fun. I'm taking my hormones now. I'm, you know, on my life. Like, nothing will ever bother me ever again. I made it, you know, whatever. And, Uh, not true. Things will affect you and things will break your heart and you won't you know, not know what to do or not know what to expect. And you might feel things that you didn't necessarily think you were going to feel because you can talk to one other trans person and their transition can be completely different than yours. Your body can have different side effects, whatever. You still have to go under the knife. It's very scary. So having something like a person or a group of people that can keep you grounded and support you and even remind you sometimes that you are loved and appreciated regardless of any gender, you know, like that's so important. So it's like, you must find people that are like that in your life and keep them really close to you and appreciate them and value yourself as well.
0: I think that just applies to everybody too, just across the board. You have to be able to value yourself. My last question to you is this, For those that are not trans and for those that are cisgender, straight, males, women, gay, like queer, lesbian, for those who are not in transgender shoots and who are not in that world at all, what can we do to be able to help you out?
1: I guess aside from support would be like educating yourself. Because honestly, you don't really know the answers to a lot of things, you know, and support is like so valuable, you know, like it's so valuable, like just to know that like someone is there to hold your hand or that, you know, someone's there to just listen to what you have to say. And, you know, it's not necessarily about like you relating to my experience. It's more about just being there and being available and, you know, understanding that to some extent you have a privilege and that is being, I guess, 100% okay with your gender. You know what I mean? Like that's something that many of us really don't have. You know what I'm saying? Like me personally, as a trans person, like going through this transition and stuff that made me question like a lot of things about me, like sometimes I just needed a little bit of reassurance, you know? And so if you could be that person, you could really change someone's outlook very easily by just being that shoulder to cry on. And honestly, like this conversation is inspiring me to write about those experiences in my life and what I use now. Because now I'm more confident in my gender than I've ever been. I don't worry at all. Like if I go out to the gym and like, I could go out to the supermarket or whatever, like I don't worry about like, oh my gosh, I'm trans and everybody knows. Like I used to, or like I'm not perfect or whatever. Like I don't worry about those things. Do I have flaws? Absolutely. But now because of my support group, I've been able to embrace my flaws and not obsess over them, you know. Because sometimes when you're going through this transition and you're given the power of surgery, like, oh, you can change whatever you want. You can change your face. You can change your body. Da da da. It can get you lost sometimes. And sometimes you have to like, you need other human beings, you know, to remind you to like be happy and grateful for what you have, and don't try to strive too much for perfection. Like, try to strive for peace of mind. So the peace of mind that you have being comfortable in your gender you can pass on you know to a trans person that's struggling to grasp onto their happiness i guess you know because it's related really, to gender you know what i mean so it's simple things like that you realize that like for me women like i've gotten close to so many women cis women and a lot of the insecurities that trans women deal with like cis women deal with as well And when you can find like camaraderie or when you can find like a friend that either went through that already or, you know, can help you, like it opens up your mind, you know, and it makes you feel so good. So it's like you as a gay man, you can probably speak to a trans man about being a man in society, you know, and like that can probably, it's like a priceless gift is peace of mind. And you can do that. You can easily do that. That's amazing. I... I...
0: I think that you just speak so well and you speak so eloquently like that. Like this whole time I've been talking to you, this whole conversation, I'm like,
1: Oh, okay. Like
0: I didn't think about that. Or I didn't think about that. I think that that's really great. And I really do hope that this gives viewers who are watching this, the ability to be like, you know, let's go help out and let's give some support and hopefully it gives them a different eye into something that they never knew about. Cause I think your story, I didn't know all about your story. I didn't know how, um, intricate and how delicate how everything is about your life and I really do hope that you're given a little bit um less criticism a little bit more positivity
1: thank you I hope so I mean I, I really honestly I'm very forgiving like I feel like criticism is coming from a place of like I like you but I wish you were like this which is better than I don't like you at all and I'm not gonna comment you know what I'm saying so I I look on the bright silver is lining. <laughs>
0: Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Carmen, for being here. Thank you for telling your story. And where can everybody find you on the socials?
1: Okay, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Carmen underscore Carrera. You can find me at facebook.com slash Carmen Carrera fans. And now you can also find me on TikTok under Carmen underscore Carrera.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed, Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard, that's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race, the dip with 2 Ps.com. That's the dip with TwoPeace.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from The Dip, including Hot Off The Mess with Samantha Bush, the Daily Pop Culture Podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am The Cute One, a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olson podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard.
1: Expose yourself. What you're all about